the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. This is hour two. On the Friday Eve edition, if you missed last hour, we gave extensive debate coverage from last night's debate because uh, just because there was four also rands or never rands or whatever you want to call them, seat fillers, uh, as one of the moderators on a hot mic moment described them as, uh, there was really good content and good information that came out and it was actually very telling on top of being entertaining. But we're going to move on now because there's other things happening like uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, continuing his reign as a rhino, even on his way out the door. So we've got to talk about that. There's actually breaking news this evening that the uh, Justice Department is filing new criminal charges against Hunter Biden. There's whispers as to, if not leaks, as to who Trump is planning to have in his, quote, loyalty cabinet. Uh, so before I bring in the one and only Tom DeBacaro to give his uh, analysis on all of that. Uh, the dude who's with me every night of the week with his analysis is the one and only DJ Sesame a Broccolini. I love me some Sesame bro- bro- Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon. Bro- bro- like a dungeon dragon. High heat. Sesame. Broccolini. <laughs> you know, there's only one of me for now until we figure out mm-hmm. how to clone me. And then when we do that, there's going to be probably a whole army of me. It could be. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, well, yeah, because, you know, it's it's kind of like having to figure out how you to take that recipe that's yummy and delicious and turn it into like a mass production. Right. It's (laughs) And that's not an easy thing to do. Anybody who's ever been to the LSU Alumni Association annual crawfish bowl here. Uh, going back many years, it took them a while to get down, uh, make it yummy, cooking that many boiled crawfish at one time. Um, the man who, I don't know if, if he's ever eaten a crawfish in his life because that's kind of messy. It's not, it, you know, it's hard to eat off of fine china. You can't eat boiled crawfish off of fine china like you can veal piccata. Um, of course, I'm talking about my dear friend Tom DeBacaro, author of the book Divided Era and Other Books, Political Pundit, and more. And he joins me now. Hey, Tom DeBacaro, welcome back. <laughs> Great to be back. I will point out that I do not like the old piccata because I can't stand some of those ingredients. Like what? Who doesn't like the piccata? It's one of my favorite Uh, dishes. And what are those little black things you put in them? You don't like capers? Cannot stand them. You don't like a caper? Oh my gosh! I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't how know I... who walked up to that thing and said, "Hey, let's boil this and then eat it." <laughs> That's how I feel about mushrooms, man. 
I mean, the, you know, anybody who eats a mushroom is also eating their own boogers. I'm just saying, because that is wow. just, uh, yeah, yeah, no bueno, man. I don't eat mushrooms. I don't eat oysters. I don't eat um, escargot. Y'all can keep your, your booger cuisine, okay? Um, let's talk about, speaking of boogers and things that are unappetizing, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy. Because in, uh, and I've always said that when I, I've hired and fired a lot of people in my corporate America days, and people always showed me on their way out the door exactly why they needed to go. And if sure enough, here's Kevin McCarthy leaving his time as Congress, not waiting until his term is up. No, he's going to go at the end of the year just so that he can kick the Republican Party one more time in the teeth. And that means kicking me in the teeth. He's intentionally trying to hamstring um, the Republican Party from getting anything done in the next year by minimizing the majority. Your thoughts, Tom Dell? Well, I don't know the good rationale for him leaving at that moment in time. Uh, you raise a good point because they already have a thin majority they would have to have a special election, I assume, because it's a year yes. is too long to fill it. But I, I find that, as they would say, curiouser and curiouser as to why he would do that particular move. Well, and so did yeah. McHenry, his little backup. You know, remember, remember the little dude the night that uh, Kevin McCarthy was vacated, he smacked the gavel down in such a dramatic fashion, like, you know, you would imagine um, would be done in, you know, some, well, I don't want to say it, some former, I'll just say some former skit on In Living Color. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you watch that show, he announced his resign that he was resigning as well. It may be, it may be different for him. He may just not be seeking reelection. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I suspect that at, 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 there was a time where Kevin McCarthy, like Kevin Faulkner here in San Diego, wanted to run for governor. I think that Kevin McCarthy knows that he's done. Politically, I, I can't imagine he would think that he could win the governor's race here in California. But do you think that the Republican Party here might be puffing him up to think he's got a shot? Well, the Democrats have an unusually weak candidate running at this point, the lieutenant governor, who you could ask 10,000 people who it is, and they wouldn't know. Maybe you get 1% or 2% who actually know who it is. That presents a problem for them. And so if you're going to run against somebody, you should run against somebody with no name ID and with no real record of accomplishment. So maybe McCarthy's thinking, if I'm ever going to do this, and there was talk about 12 years ago of him running for governor. Uh, mm. Now's the time. So that would be the case for why he would be doing that. But keep in mind, too, he's also quite young. He's only 58. Uh, of course, I have a vested interest in calling people like that quite young. <laughs> okay, I'm like 58. Yeah, okay. Go on. <laughs> and he's in good health. And look, Richard Nixon gave his checkers speech in the early 60s and six years later was president of the United States. So I, I, a lot of comebacks in political history. So I, I wouldn't count him 
out as dramatically as you are. Well, I think that what people should take away from this, whatever his future is, as I agree with Matt Gates, first of all, he said, quote, this is not an act of patriotism or moving on to the next fight. It's an act of object selfishness. If he cannot run the places and be speaker, then he will leave. This to me is proving not just that he's selfish, but something inherently wrong with the Republican Party. It shows that they're not about... Uh, furthering the agenda of the American people who put him in office. It's about their own power and not just the power of being an elected official and all the perks that come with that, but committee assignments in this case to be speaker third in line to the presidency. And, you know, it, 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 and it's just despicable and it only, it only makes him look worse as well as the whole, the entire Republican party, which by the way, um, uh, speaker Johnson has pushed through the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and included in that money for abortions for military, money for transgenderism in military, uh, money for for um, tr- uh, abortion, um, uh, what's it called, tourism, as well as ex- an extension on the FISA warrants. Your thoughts. And by the way, I'm hearing a lot of rustling going on. Are you making Sorry about pasta? That. You no, I'm not. In the middle of my hit. And speaking of which, in my upcoming op-ed as to why the next election is so very important relates to the completely out of control spending. Historically, after a, a crisis, World War One kind of thing. I'm sorry, World War Two, and other crises, spending did go up, but then it came down afterwards. We're not having it come down after COVID. We're still, I talked to an economist a couple of days ago who said they'd be lucky to get a $2 trillion deficit. So it's out of control. And talk about we should only do essential spending. We shouldn't do virtually any spending if we can. At any level, we should be looking to cut. And so the next election, it's a big deal who's going to be president and whether they will stand up with this. Because if they continue to do this spending, we're going to have this inflation for years to come. And that inflation impoverishes people. And if Republicans get in charge and continue it, well, then the Republican Party will suffer deeply. Well, we're, we're already in charge and we're doing it. What was the point of vacating the chair if Speaker Johnson was just going to continue to give the Democrats every dime that they want and the, instead of using the power of the purse to, for, to further the Republican agenda? There is nothing in this NDAA that furthers the Republican agenda. Sur- continued surveillance after the FISA surveillance was completely abused and and, and it, they're continuing to fund special counsel jack uh smith who just subpoenaed all the records of anybody who interacted with trump between october 2020 and 2021 i mean the, the, yeah, the republic particularly special yeah yeah I agree, uh, I agree look spending is ridiculously out of control and dangerously so so this is but not but it's not is, just it's it, Combination. It's not just the amount of spending. It's what the spending is for. The destruction of the United States of America. High spending is leading. Inflation has led to, I wrote a piece years ago, two years ago. Spending has destroyed more 
democracies slash republics in history than <laughs> cutting spending. Let's put it that way. The Weimar Republic, they paid people to stay at home, had to print the money, and runaway inflation and it collapsed. That it, well, look what it, happened it in Venezuela. It, so there, we by, are right. we are causing the same problems here again. Yeah, in fact, but I, I don't understand know if you why it's outrageous that they spend on what on some of the things that you just listed. But they can't spend anywhere near these levels. They have to stop. Or they are going to continue to impoverish people. So, yeah, okay, I think instead of government spending being at 40-some percent of the economy, it should be at about 28. Do you know how much they'd have to cut to get that uh, 16 points down? A lot. And every bit of it would be worth it. One of the reasons why you look at the failing British health system, one of the reasons why they don't get rid of it is because it employs so many people. See, that's the problem that we've got. We've let our government grow to the point to where it's, pr- it's the, practically the number one employer. So people want, and, and that includes one of the reasons why D.C. is such a rich area. And they're just continuing to feed the monster. And Mike Johnson is no better than any of the rest of them. There's just no point. I say, I, yeah, I, I we, see no we point. We haven't in, seen I, I see no point. At, this, at this point. We, I, I agree with you. And if the, and the next Republican hearing, president... Doesn't get it, 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 it the act together, then they've spent the We're last done. two years blaming Biden, and then they'll have only themselves to blame. Well, and Peter Schweitzer said, who's written a lot of books about the corruption and the money and all this stuff, you know, he said that that you know we're we're basically done. It's not we're we're past the point really of saying if we don't get our act together, if we don't get our act together, our our act is done. We're on the brink, people. We really are. We really well, are. I, you know, I attended a conference with some of the best Wrap us up, and 30 bright, seconds. We gotta go. brightest minds from Laffer to David Malpass who don't believe we're at that point yet. Before I go, though, I think it is very interesting that they're going to indict Hunter again. And yes, because it leads me to believe that there are some people who want Biden off the ticket more than others. Yes, absolutely. All right, Tom Dell, thank you for being here in spite of the fact that you were, you know, writing a book or something while you were in the middle of your hit with me. I'll forgive you. There for you the, go. For the wrestling. All, All right. right. Love. <laughs> Take it easy. All right. We are going to talk about the latest charges against Hunter Biden when we come back. So don't go away. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. If you miss any part of the show, don't forget to download the podcast. Email me at andreakayshow.com, andreakayshow.com. Curious as to your guys' thoughts on uh, who Trump should pick as VP. There are reports tonight that Melania Trump is actually... Um, encouraging Trump to pick Tucker Carlson as VP. A lot of people, based upon uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's debate performances and where he stands on the issues and, and a lot of his policy um, positions, think it should be Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, I, I don't know because I think the VP 
really is so much of a ceremonial position. I'm not really sure. I mean, Dick Cheney had a lot of a lot of power and a lot of influence on the administration. Um, I, I, I certainly um, I don't know that anybody anybody gets elected as president because of the VP choice. I think it's an opportunity to be strategic. Um, I, I don't know that Tucker Carlson is a really I would need to see Tucker Carlson do as many interviews on his policy positions like I've seen Vivek. I don't know enough about where tr- Tucker Carlson truly stands on any on any positions. And I don't I don't tr- fully trust him. Your thoughts, Sesame? Well, I used to think that the vice presidency was completely ceremonial up until the point that I realized that Mike Pence could have completely mm. altered the course of American yeah. history. And he chose not to. So now I'm thinking that the vice presidency is a very powerful position, and I don't know if it's enough to move the needle at the ballot box, but I certainly know that there are many folks who justified voting for Joe Biden by saying, well, you know, Kamala Harris is kind of cool and kind of hip, right? Uh, Even though I don't think that she is at all myself. Um, Having said that, though, Tucker... I like his energy. I like his spirit. I like that he clearly has explained when he became a Trump supporter. It's very Mm -hmm. clear in his mind. The moment that Mar-a-Lago was raided, he completely changed Mm -hmm. or solidified some of his support, I should say, um, for Trump. So I think he's got a clear red pill sort of moment when when it comes to supporting him. But other than that, I just like that he's out there in the streets of Spain protesting socialism. You know, when they're mm-hmm. on their 20th day, I like that he's talking with the new president of Argentina, Javier Malay. I, I like that he's talking to Alex Jones today, the most censored man on the planet. Yeah, I think I think maybe he should be comms director or yeah, comms yeah. department or advisor. I just don't think VP is the right spot Maybe that's not him. the right fit. Yeah, but I, yeah. I would like to see yeah. him I would like to see him politics. in the administration. Yeah. I'm just not sure that VP is the right position for him. Um, because I'm not, I, I feel like I don't know that I I trust him enough on policy positions mm-hmm. um, that I would want him there in that area, but definitely somewhere in the administration for sure. Yeah, we, we'd um, have to hear more about concrete policy yes. ideas. I want to yeah. know how he feels about securing the border and about um, yeah. suing the Biden administration or suing everything from suing Pfizer to going after Hunter Biden um, yes. to, to abolishing the FBI. I'd want to hear him specifically talk about yeah. it at length like Vivek has and in detail. Right. Um, but, but there, yeah, but she, clearly there should be a role for him. Here's who he has announced uh, that will be in his, uh, quote, loyalty cabinet. He has not said in which uh, in what position, but he said um, he would fill uh, the most powerful jobs in the government with men like Stephen Miller, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio and Cash Patel, who was in the DOJ previously uh, with the possible return of Steve Bannon. I think you would have to bring Bannon back. Um, I think Bannon was pushed out by the Javanka um, liberal um, uh, advisors that had no business being in the initial Trump administration. Do you agree? 100 percent. 100 percent. Stephen Bannon was like a sacri- – they sacrificed him. They completely yeah, pushed they him did. aside. And he was such an – I love where his mind's at. So I would like to see Bannon make a comeback. I think – I think uh, you know, I think it's possible. Uh, Ron DeSantis would have made a phenomenal VP pick. We could be looking at Trump and DeSantis's VP and then two terms of DeSantis if he had played his cards right. Uh, now that he's probably never going to – he could be AG. You know, Trump could put him in as AG. Um, that I think we, you know, we've got to have, we've got to have 
outsiders come in. Um, he, although now that I think about it, I don't know that I want him as AG. He's an insider. He spent time in Congress, and I, I just I feel like we need a hundred percent outsiders. Uh, speaking of the Department of Justice, they have filed new criminal charges against Hunter Biden. And as Tom DeBacaro alluded in last segment, this is clearly they are trying to get uh, that trying to get uh, Biden out. There's reports that I think it came up with Tucker Carlson in his interview with Alex Jones, that there's reports that Biden is wandering around the White House naked and he's pumped up with any anti um, amphetamines. I don't know if I can believe that or not, but clearly he is a liability to the Democrats at this point. Their masters are trying to keep things under wraps. So they're trying to keep things leaked, uh, keep things uh, solid and not leaked. Um, but they want him out because that's the only other explanation for why we're seeing today um, breaking news that he is expected to face new federal criminal charges within the hour. Um, they're expected to be tax related. Uh, it's not clear at this point whether they're going to be um charged in uh, California or DC. So um, clearly he is guilty of tax evasion. This could, this could be a strategy, not necessarily to push Biden out, but it could be a strategy as James Comer. We're right before um, James Comer and who's the head of the house uh, oversight committee had came out day or two yesterday and said that, look, Hunter Biden's going to have to show up for a deposition and if it, on December 13th. That's next week. And if he doesn't, there's going to be contempt of charges. Now, historically, every time bad news comes out for the Biden crime family, they come out and, you know, try to come up with some story or something to try to divert. And th- that could be what's going on here. It could be that here, here's just another play for them to try to act as though, see, we're not covering up any crimes. The Department of Justice is on the up and up. We play equally with everybody. I guess I would, I would suspect that it's more along those lines why they've made this announcement tonight. Um, it could also be an, a justification we may hear in the next couple of days that based upon this, that Hunter Biden's not going to come in for the deposition. There's some kind of strategy that helps the Democrats in this. Do you agree, Sesame? There, I guess there has to be. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly it is. But I will say it's interesting that they're finally I guess turning on Joe Biden is the way to put it. And on the Biden family, I mean, all of the evidence of this, this activity has existed for a long, long time. And it was it just the American people had no idea about it, but some of these, you know, crimes or I guess alleged crimes with Hunter Biden go back years and years and years all the way back to the Obama days. So this is, this has been going on for a long, long time. And I, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what's going on, but I'm I'm a little nervous that, I guess I guess something's going to come of it. We'll see what happens with this deposition next week. I, I don't know. I'm just I've, I've lost a little bit of faith in our ability to actually hold real criminals to account um, because we spend so much time going after conservatives and Catholics like myself. Well, that's why I don't trust it. That's yeah. why I don't trust mm-hmm. it. That's why I think instead of it being about pushing Biden out, it's about uh, trying to change the narrative of you know as we're going into the deposition. Uh, to try to have people not talk about the Hunter Biden, the Biden crime family and what the, the you know, I think it's I think it's a way of 
<sighs> trying to scapegoat actually Hunter Biden and see there's nobody there there with the Hunter <laughs> with the Biden crime family. It's all about Hunter and his business dealing. The issue is Hunter alone and his business dealings. And yeah, maybe he didn't pay some taxes, but there's really no there there with the Biden crime family. And they're doing this in advance of the deposition. That's what I think the play is. And um, well, you, I, and you I see that with some of the mainstream media reporting. Didn't we just play that clip the other day of some woman saying there's no nexus between Hunter yes. and Joe Biden and there is no connection yes. and there is no there there except we have checks from Hunter Biden going into Joe Biden's bank account and, and Hunter Biden received that money in a, into a corporate account from some Chinese mm-hmm. entity. So we know for sure that Hunter Biden has taken money from China and then some of that money was redistributed via Hunter mm-hmm. and then also James Biden to Joe Biden. Now the question is, did Joe Biden know about it and also did he orchestrate it or did Hunter Biden just voluntarily move money to the big guy's account? That's the yeah. real question because we have the smoking gun we have all the bank records we know where the money came from we know where it ended up and we know how much so now the question is what did joe biden know did he know about any of it and also by the way just because none of i mean he may or may not have committed crimes but setting that aside this is certainly all impeachable in my eyes this is legitimately impeachable and this is the legitimately this is the first legitimate impeachment i've seen in a long time trump dealt with a couple of fake ones but this is a legitimate instance where you could say Mm -hmm. the american people have every right to remove this man from office because he's not fit and he's trampled all over the office itself he's completely undermined what it means to be a good president and he's not fit for the job um this this is really a, a this would be a perfect time to use it so i hope republicans stop lollygagging and stop dragging right. out this formalization of the inquiry into yeah. the inquiry today, about the rundown. Right. Today they released the text of the for the uh, to for related to the vote on the impeachment inquiry uh, next week. So yeah, so they are committed to and and okay. and I okay. wouldn't and now that Mike Johnson has pushed through this NDAA that he did and then tried to sell it as though you know um, oh this includes some really good you know stuff to you know protect Americans he's no better than any of the rest so uh, I don't expect um, you know they're they're going to vote on the impeachment inquiry it mid December, then they're going to come back and then it'll be January before then they'll be doing the impeachment inquiry, you know, and then it will be, well, then they'll have to say, then the excuse will be, well, there's no point in impeaching him because, you know, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, filing articles of impeachment because he's going to be out of office. In fact, he'll probably retire before then. Because I've said, I said nine months to a year ago that that he will right in the middle of the primary season, there will be a health issue. Kamala will step in as president, but it will be basically completely lame duck because it will be, you know, right at the time to where a nominee is is clear that it's not going to be Joe Biden. And, you know, and then somebody else steps in as the nominee. So and then. Um, that will pre that, and then there will be no articles of impeachment and he'll skate. Hunter will get a slap on the wrist for low level tax crap. And, uh, then it will all be washed under the rug. That's my prediction. We're going to take a break. We come back. There's a, uh, I don't know. Should we talk about the border or should we talk about, uh, the, the Biden administration's plan to buy votes from people? It's kind of related to uh, the debate last night. Um, if you're worried about buying a home, stay tuned because uh, Joe Biden might be offering to give you one in return for your vote. So we'll we'll share you that that story with you when we come back to go away. 
Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut too. It's the Andrea K. Show on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. We are deep into a presidential election season, and true enough, the Democrats are doing all they can to buy votes. In last night's uh, presidential primary debate for the Republican Party, a question was asked about home ownership and about how the American dream is just going, you know, it's just going bye-bye for uh, so many Americans, particularly young Americans. Uh, The candidates were asked about it. I don't even remember Nikki Haley's answer was so convoluted. I don't even remember what it was. It was so dopey. Um, and, and I don't even remember what Ron DeSantis's was as well. I think he shifted to um, student loan debt and to get away from it. The, you know, the reality is, is there's not really a quick fix to the home crisis and the ability to buy homes. The reality is, is there are places um, where you there, where home ownership is at very very affordable. Unfortunately, it's not where all the young Gen Z people want to live. Well, that's not my problem, right? There's a lot of elements that are driving up the cost of of owning a home, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why buying a home is difficult for people. First of all, it's it's really always been difficult for people. You had to save money traditionally for a down payment. You had to have a good credit score to be able to buy a home. Um, you, um, you know, you couldn't, uh, you had to prove your income and prove that you could qualify to own a home. Uh, my parents, um, you know, one of the reasons why we stayed living in the South was because my parents, we, my parents would have loved to have bought a home in California, um, back in the seventies or eighties and they couldn't afford it. So we, you know, we stayed, you know, in the South, right? Uh, those, so those are some of the things taking place today. So the idea, so yes, in California, there's, there's also Democrat policies that have created, um, the skyrocketing cost of a home. There's also inflation. One of the things DeSantis talked about tonight, last night was the cost uh, of how inflation was affecting the, the ability to buy because it was driving up interest rates. But it's not, there's not a quick fix to the issue with people being able to buy a home. Um, but that doesn't stop politicians from wanting to throw out a quick, you know, uh, quote, solution uh, that can fit on the back of a bumper sticker. And when it comes to Democrats, their favorite solution comes with using taxpayers' funds to throw money at the problem. So enter the Biden administration today, who, oh, by the way, uh, paid off student loans for another 80,000 people. Did you guys hear about that? Not sure how, uh, in this instance, how they were able to do it for another 80,000, even though the Supreme Court had ruled um, that in, in one area he didn't have the right to do so. But sticking with the um, buying uh, votes through homes topic, uh, the Biden administration announced today that uh, through its backing of a proposal known as the Neighborhood Home Homes Investment Act, it would, quote, promote home ownership for an additional 500,000 households while increasing neighborhood revitalization efforts, according to the White House's National Economic Council. The act would introduce a new federal tax credit to help fund the development and renovation of one to four family housing in distressed urban, suburban, and rural neighborhoods. 
according to a draft of the bill. This this has been sponsored by not just a Democrat from Maryland, by the way, but Todd Young, a Republican from Indiana, and could help uh, 500,000 homes and generate $125 billion in development revenue over the next year. Oh, doesn't that just sound so amazing? Except when you get into the details of it. Because it also involves, and uh, Biden suggested, uh, uh, the White House counsel uh, suggested that President Joe Biden not wait for Congress. That they do this through the Department of uh, Transportation. So part of the problem that we have as a government is when we have legislation that uses our taxpayer dollars through these departments and unelected bureaucrats. And no Republican should ever be on board with this. Getting into some of the details. Hang on, I'm getting to, trying to get to some of the uh, details. Part of the reason why um, they are suggesting this. This is why you, uh, one of the reasons why you know no Republicans should get on board with this, because who's going to get to decide who gets these, these 500,000 homes? Well, quote, and here you get into some of the nasty details. It could help make home ownership a reality for families who do not have the advantage of previous generational wealth building from home ownership. Well, my parents grew up dirt poor. Mama grew up on a dairy farm. Daddy grew up in a home that had dirt floors. Mama ran off at 17 and joined the Marines so she could get a better life. The details go on to say um, that the administration has already helped 100,000 low-income households guarantee their rent at 30% of their income. So we've already got the government using taxpayer funds to guarantee people low rent. Did you even know that Sesame Broccolini? I didn't. I did not know that, but it's a horrible idea for a lot of economic reasons, but also political. It goes on. Yeah. And it goes on to say the president's budget proposes expanding rental assistance to more than 200,000 additional households, including a first of its kind rental assistance program for low income veterans uh, and former foster youth. So we're just buying votes, handing money out to people, giving them giving them help help with their rent. Who who are these people? What jobs are they holding? Are they bothering to go to school? Why are they in the position where they can't afford rent? This is nothing but a Marxist income redistribution scheme. And that's the rental portion. When it comes to the housing, there's going to be other uh, these 500,000 uh, homes are going to be basically subsidized by taxpayers' funds, and they're going to involve the uh, minority groups that the left wants to buy votes from. That's the scheme. Meanwhile, the rest of us, Sesame Broccolini, who don't have the privilege of coming from a, a certain um, identity group, we're just on our own to deal with the housing problem. The reality is, though, is that as Tom DeBacaro was talking about with inflation, we're all going to end up paying for this in the end, aren't we? Oh, yes. Uh, there is no soft landing. There is no quick fix. As you mentioned earlier, prices are incredibly sticky, and there is no way to slap a Band-Aid on this because it's a uh, 
look, there are some some of its policies, some of it's just basic law of demand uh, or law of supply and demand. You know, the invisible hand of of the free marketplace. Certain you know pressures that just come with having a country with this many people who are all buying things. But most importantly, it's about the fact that the government is setting people up for success. The way I think about it is that homeownership is not necessarily a right. It's more of a privilege, but it's something that we should be encouraging. And across the board, the real headline here is that the cost of living is dramatically going up, but the quality of life is dramatically going down for most people in most places, at least from what I can tell. People, it's like for all of the taxation, for all of the government spending, what is it really getting us? Because this economy is not healthy and there's so much government cash stuffed into it that prices are going to remain high for a long, long time. That's the thing they're they're not telling you. And just to, to hammer home, what people don't understand is that while the government puts money into your pocket, at the same time, they're taking money out of your other pocket. Every single yes. thing, every single dollar they spend is really a dollar that you've already earned or a dollar that you will earn in the future. And we're so deeply in debt. It's like for every dollar I earn through labor, they spend four. They spend 10, they spend 20, and that's how you get to runaway hyperinflation, where before you know it, now we have reports where millionaires say inflation is so bad, they don't even feel rich anymore. Isn't that a laugh? Exactly, because, right, and and the Department of Transportation, what they're going to be doing here is is a repeat of what caused the housing bubble. And remember the crash of 08 and 09 Mm -hmm. that was related to housing because it involved this idea that everybody had the right to own a home. So we're going to go to people and give these risky loans to people that can't afford to be in a home. Bingo. Exactly. And and this is, this 500, giving 500,000 homes to people, it's the same scheme, this time just through the Department of Transportation with low-cost loans um, for, you know, low-income people, for first-time buyers who probably don't have the credit, probably can't afford the house, and, and, and using our taxpayer dollars to do it. It's just a repeat. There's, no, there's nothing progressive going on with the Democrat Party. It's all policies and ideas that have never worked before, whether they've been done here or any other communist nation. Only this time, we're $34 trillion in debt than when Barack Obama... And George W. Bush did this crap back in the 2000s. All right. Speaking of uh, uh, what uh, Barack Obama and George W. Bush have in common, let's talk about the open border when we come back, because there's some news going on with that in Ukraine. Stay tuned. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome. Welcome back to tonight's Andrew K. Show, final segment of the show. Um, I guess got to give a little credit maybe where credit is due. Mike Johnson pushed through the NDAA, but evidently he has not given everything maybe that uh, Biden wanted when it came to Ukraine, although the NDAA did include, now that I think about it, according to Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene, um, Mike Johnson did give $300 million towards Ukraine in the NDAA. And I wonder if that came after Joe Biden basically coming out and saying that you're an extremist, that the Republican Party was playing a game of chicken with national security by holding uh, the Ukra- Ukraine uh, money, holding Ukraine uh, hostage for our extremist border policies. 
Because evidently, Sesame Broccolini, it's extremist to want to secure America's border, but it's not extremist to want to secure Ukraine's. Your thoughts? The American people are not a priority. In fact, honestly, at this point, I'm starting to just think that the Biden administration truly hates the American people. It just feels like there is so much contempt and disdain because they're leaving the border wide open. They're opening the doors to this country to anybody, including terrorists and and 45 to 50 million illegal immigrants. And they've been doing this for years and years. And it's got to be on both sides because Republicans, even in this state, even in San Diego County, like Republican, like Congressman Issa, are protecting Mayorkas. Why? Right. Why? And here's what. Uh, yeah. And, and I, hear, I do not understand. Hear, well, they want these terrorists here. J- just a couple of days ago, Christopher Ray said that the threat of terrorism right now is at a whole nother level after October 7th and that Hamas is already here. They know this. This is and, and yet here and, and they also know that African-Americans like in Chicago have been screaming for a week over the illegal aliens, as well as in New York City, what it means to their community. So they don't just hate Americans. They hate black Americans as well. But here's how Jean uh, Pierre says history is going to think about those of us who want to secure the American border. I mean, we've been very, very clear about um, about the supplemental and how important it is, as you've seen, the OMB director has been pretty out, pretty out there on the different networks uh, making the case. Um, and one of the things that um, she has said is that it's stunning. It's stunning that we've gotten to this point, right? It's stunning that we have gotten to this point and that Republicans in Congress uh, willing to give Putin a, a, a gift, the greatest gift that Putin could help, could hope for. That's what we're seeing. And so they are playing chicken with our national security. That's what we're seeing here. And history will will remember them harshly. (laughs) What a complete joke that was. Complete. Just spitting in the face. Black America, are you listening to this? The only people who want to secure the border are playing chicken with national security. Mm -hmm. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, just honestly, to your point, you know, for all the... African-American listeners, listen, the Biden administration thinks that you're dumb. That's the, that's the only logical conclusion here. The, the Biden administration, this is the soft bigotry of low expectations. They think so little of the voters. They think so little of the, com- of the average American. Truly, they do. This administration must think that we are complete fools. Do they not? Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah, because... Uh, <laughs> I, it, it, they must think that we have no idea that, that the border's open. Of course, they've done everything that they could to keep it from the American people. And there may, and we actually have a lot of stupid Americans and low-income voters. How do I know this? Because they're watching MSNBC. They're watching all the <laughs> legacy media outlets that are not reporting on the border. The border czar, Kamala Harris, hadn't gone to the border. The Democrats are not going down there highlighting it. There are a lot of Americans out there who have no idea that we've got terrorists flooding across, have no idea what's going on. But there's but there's many, 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 many more that absolutely do. And as we played a clip from an African-American, a black gal in New York who's running as a Republican, I think, for city council, who said that the Democrats need to be leaving the plantation. They are wising up as to what the Democrat Party is doing to them it, at an and hopefully it's not going to be too little too late because the Democrat Party, you think about this, African-Americans. Christopher Ray said that the terror threat is at a whole nother level since October 7th. And they are coming here planning to do an October 7th level attack on us. And the Democrat Party 
is okay with that. And it just may be your home that gets broken into. And they're happy to let that happen because they want those votes of the people coming here across this border. And they want the votes of all the Muslims in this country, all the clerics, all the Ilhan Omars, all the Rashida Tlaibs. That's who they're in bed with, not you. Tomorrow's Friday fun day. We'll have Bob Walters here, and we're also going to have Steve Friend, who is an FBI whistleblower, to get his reaction on all the topics of the week. So we will see you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Follow me on all the socials. Don't forget to download the podcast. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. Keep your head on a swivel. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.